Hey, Zach. Hey, Steven. So, Steven, I have an issue with information security at my university. How do I ethically disclose this as an issue at my university? What is it? Um, so, I think with some pretty good confidence, I could walk into Sandberg Hall, where I live, sit down somewhere, and within an hour have at least 20 usernames and passwords of students on campus for, like, their big, all-encompassing account. Okay, how are you going to do that? We have a printer available in a public space. You don't need to swipe in to get to it. And that printer is touchscreen. To print anything that you have tied to your account or to use any balances that are on your account, you need to type in your username and your password. Okay. On a touchscreen. Yeah. That is visible to everyone. Yeah, that is an issue, I guess. Um, I think at Madison, the solution was to use our student ID, our WIS card, and mm-hmm. just swipe it for everything. Yeah, no, they, they make yeah. us... Do you have uh, something like that? Something swipeable with your account information? Yeah. And and last year, we did have a different printer system. We had, uh, like, you would put in your print card to get money, and then you would type in your password, but it was, like, on an actual keyboard, and so it didn't do that thing that touchscreens do where it displays the first char- or the last character you just typed. Uh, yeah, right. It was just all little dots. Okay, well, I mean, you can probably bring it up with housing or whatever. Yeah. I... Or maybe your IT uh, your IT uh, department will care more. I talked with a friend who works in IT. He said to bring it up with housing, so. <laughs> I feel like I need to get a proof of concept, though. I need to sit down there with a camera. Oh, sure, yeah. Just take that, take your vlog camera, put yeah. it, like, over your shoulder and make it make it seem like you're not actually recording anything but to have it pointed at the printer uh-huh and then walk into housing with 17 or so usernames and passwords yeah and hope they don't kick you out yeah i feel like th- there's some issues there with the university then seeing me as a hacker and that being a problem okay even though i'm better idea just exposing faults in their system i don't <laughs> better idea get your friend to do what i told you to do and then <laughs> You type in your password into the printer and then show them how you were able to accomplish this. Ah, okay. With your own account. That way they don't think you're trying to take everyone else's information. That's a really good plan, actually. Because I'm okay if I know my information. That's fine. Yeah. And housing probably won't mind. And it does show that, hey, there might be an issue with this. Yeah. So far, my solution has just been to not use the printers on campus. Well, that works too. <laughs> How often do you print things? Uh, well, I need to print things once a week, at least, for physics. Hmm. Physics, we need to print out a cover page so that they know that this is physics homework. <laughs> yeah. But uh, my friend, my suite mate, has a printer, so I just use his printer. Oh, that's good. So far, I haven't had to print anything, but I know that there are classes that require you to print things. Mm-hmm. So, when you're not printing stuff, how do you submit homework? Uh, well, for my computer science class, it's all online through a program yeah. called Zybooks. And for my math homework, it is on Moodle with the correct answers and the work. Um... Most of my English uh-huh. history class is just doing the readings, and if you don't know what you're talking about during the discussion, then you don't get credit for doing the readings. And then for my Latin class, it's mostly just completion, and then if you don't understand it or you're just spoofing the completion grade, then you will not do well on the quiz. So yeah, never had to print anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, the how, do, how do you... Write up the stuff that you're handing in manually, not on a computer. Well, I write it. I use a pen. and But not my fountain pen. No? Not, none of my fountain pen. But Steven, you're such a fanatic about your pens. I know, but I'm running into this issue 
where there are not enough surfaces that are conducive for fountain pen use. So in lecture, I can't take notes Mm -hmm. with a fountain pen because the stupid little chairs all have the the pull-out desk. Yeah, like they swing up and over you. And those are tiny and don't give you a good fountain pen angle without elbowing the guy next to you. And if you're elbowing the guy next to you because you're using a fountain pen, they will automatically peg you as very pretentious. Yes, and that's not what I'm going for. <laughs> so I've been using a, I've been using that um, Retro 51 Tornado, mm-hmm. which is fine. I really like that pen, but I have not been using my fountain pens. And then for homework, it's I have this desk, but the desk is too small. So what are you going to do? Like, how big is the surface area on your desk, roughly? How many forearms? Well, uh, one second, listeners. I'd say two and a half. Two and a half forearms. Mine's like three and a bit. Yeah. Anyway, it's like, plus, if if I'm doing homework, I usually need more than just what I'm writing on to do the homework. I need my laptop or the reference book or whatever. Do you still have the book stand? I remember we talked about using that to free up some desk space last year. I have it. Um... And I've used it a few times, but not as extensively as I'd like because most of my textbooks are either ebooks or um, or the not textbooks that I was given the three hole punched paper that you're supposed to put in a binder and call it a textbook. Okay, yeah. But I can put those binders in just prop the your book holder. Prop your MacBook up <laughs> on the book holder for the e textbooks. I'll think about it. Anyway, so that's why I'm not using my, my fountain <laughs> pens as much as I'd like. Are you still using them for yep. manually uh, journaling or something? I still write down my... In in the morning, I have my just woke up journal still, and I still use my uh-huh. fountain pens for that. But my actual journal is on my laptop. Mm-hmm. I've found I pretty much just use my fountain pens now for when I want their fancy colors. Oh. Like the only red pen I have is a fountain pen. I don't usually yeah. use red oh. anyway, so that's fine, but... I think we just don't do enough writing, like, we don't do enough longhand writing for fountain pen mm-hmm. to be useful. Because if you're writing a lot, if you're writing long yeah. words for a long time, fountain pens are great because they flow, unlike ballpoint pens, which you need to stab the paper, which eventually will hurt your hand. But yeah, maybe someday. So you can't use your fountain pens on your desk surface. You have to use ballpoint pens. Do you want to know what something you can't use any writing utensil on? What's is? that, Zach? The new iPhone X 10. I messed it up already. <laughs> it's a large screen. You'd think that by now they would have Apple yeah, Pencil support. Like... Yeah, or at least ballpoint cool. pen support. You know, you got to start yeah, somewhere. Mean, it should erase the ink on its pretty screen. Yeah. Anyway, listeners, uh, Apple had a special event on the 12th of September. So, Apple released their Apple Watch Series 3, which is now 70% faster, and Siri can talk now, which is just great. And there are new bands, cool. and most excitingly, Zach, there is a built-in cellular radio. The wa- the reason that I think most people are excited would be excited about it is that... That means that you can go running and leave your phone at home. You or you don't need to be within a range yeah. of your phone to go swimming or something. Mm-hmm. And they did it without changing the size. Which uh, is the the very cool. only like contender to that, the only other phone I can or the only other watch I can think of that has cell technologies like that is the LG G Sport, which is like the weight of a phone on your wrist (laughs) and it's this huge clunky thing and then they uh, sold the sister model of it which doesn't have nfc it doesn't have uh, cellular technology it doesn't have anything and that's like the size of the moto 360 just a regular round watch but if you want to have an android wear watch right now with anything good in it any of the good technologies it needs to be like a 
spy device on your wrist. Cellular radios are really big, and it's really cool that Apple managed to put, to stick, essentially, a radio inside a watch, and not only without diminishing the performance, but actually yeah. improving the per- performance. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, there's There's one more exciting thing about the Series 3 Apple Watch. The crown is red now. Oh, the, the little okay. button on it is red, and you'd missed the most exciting part. I guess. <laughs> okay, what's next? <laughs> Apple TV is next, and it has 4K now. Yeah, I skipped that part That's of the about talk. It. Well, there's the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus, which is really just a 7 Plus. So because it didn't change the form of the device, it just made it better, faster, stronger. Uh, the camera shoots at 4K at 60 frames per second. Uh, so yeah, the A11 bi- Bionic chip, which is a neural net learning device. So Apple built a chip that learns your fingerprint, and not the way it did before by algorithms, but by artificial intelligence. Yeah, now. it's special built hardware for running, not just running machine learning algorithms, but it is the product of these machine learning algorithms. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, so the more you use your fingerprint a, scanner, the better it's going to be at recognizing your fingerprint. And at, at this hardware level implementation, it's a lot more efficient about it too, because it's purpose yeah. built for it's that. It's not taking up a bunch of CPU cycles trying to learn your fingerprint. It just is learning your fingerprint. Augmented reality is getting better. It's really good at detecting tables now. It's been good at detecting tables for a while though. I'm pretty sure. No, Zach. Like, I really guess that was Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> I I was more surprised by the like graphics when they went in really close. They did a demo of some game and they went in super close and all of these graphics were made in Unity or Unreal Engine or something. So they were these really nice high quality graphics and the quality improved the closer you got because you could see that more. That's pretty of it. cool. And it's more like higher quality than I usually expect from a phone. And it probably lasts for 10 minutes on battery, <laughs> but yeah. But, Zach, uh, you don't have to worry about that because the iPhone 8 has wireless charging. And Which is they cool. used the open standard for wireless charging and not the proprietary Apple one. Yes. You can use so any happy. wireless charger to charge your phone. You don't have to have, get the special and it Apple it also means one. all the companies that, like, four years ago had wireless charging in their phones and then dropped it because no one was using it can start putting wireless charging back in their phone. LG and Samsung and those people can re-add it because they took it out because no one was doing anything with it. We are on the precipice of the glorious wire-free future, and I am so ready for it. I want AirPods a lot, like enough that I am considering switching ecosystems just to get something like AirPods. Depending on what Google does at their event in October... It's it's a heavy consideration. That is definitely a heavy consideration. That's a lot of commitment. I understand, but I want <laughs> AirPods. No, I'm all about wireless things. I just had to rerun a few uh, cables because we re- rearranged mm-hmm. our dorm room. And somehow I had them all... I had all the cables in my room very nice. They were all separated. They were all... In, if they're in bundles, they're in bundles related to Ooh. the device they're going to. And somehow, I it mean, was still a pain in the butt. We're not going to have just inductive charging through the floor for a while, but... Soon, though, Zach. It can't be that Eventually. If you watch the Apple video, when as soon as the iPhone touched the device, it started charging. There was no delay, which means that, that was... the iPhone actually started charging... A second before it got to the plate. Yeah. Because it does take some computational time to display the battery icon or whatever. It's also so, possible that was pre-rendered. Shut up. I want to believe this. <laughs> Which means all they have to do is extend that range. And it's going to be that, soon. Won't that like, fry our legs off, Steven? My toothbrush doesn't fry my fingers off. So, no. <laughs> if, for new listeners, I have a toothbrush that uses key charging chi well, so that means that you can use your toothbrush charger to charge your phone if i got an iphone 8 yeah if, if you wanted yeah <laughs> did they talk about like ikea desks that are gonna Ooh, have that'd be cool 
chi charging in them because I feel like that's not far yeah. off now. And then you should be able to, if that happens, then I want a plug-in for my MacBook for one of my USB-C ports that is just always in there. And when it's on a wireless charger thing, starts charging my so laptop too. it's like a, too. a case that clamps onto it Not on even. the bottom. It could just be like a little USB stick. I would much rather a case. Well, I mean, it'd be one of the tiny ones that doesn't stick out and you don't feel like you're going to break it off if you karate chop it. Like for the little wireless mice. Yeah. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Not really. I'm Because you need something still to set on top of the Qi charger. Yeah, just it's this, okay? I'm holding it up to the camera. It's this with okay. a little bit of extra thing here to get down to the to the, the ground. Cheat charging you need to have a coil. A very it. small coil, it'll be fine. <laughs> I promise. It'll be great. I don't think the spec is nope, made for that. It'll be great. We'll find out. That would be cool though. I'm I'm thinking more um for a while there were Nexus cases you could get that you like hit a button and it would go to an NFC chip. In the back of the phone. Oh, so, so okay, something like that, like charging. a sticker, yeah. a sticker that you could put on the bottom of your MacBook and wire up to your USB-C I'd be down port. To that. One more thing about the iPhone 8: it is supposed to release as we record this, September 22nd, for $700 for the small one and $800 for the big one. That's not with the carrier contracts and such. That's raw. How much was it again? 700 for the little one and 800 for the big one. That's pretty much in line with what they've been before, right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Okay, the big announcement, Zach. iPhone X. Which actually, I'm I'm pretty sure by the new Apple convention, um, you call it Mac iPhone. (laughs) I feel like like we might need to explain that one. Um, So Apple's Mac operating system used to be called Mac OS X, or just OS X. Uh, at some point, they did a rebranding a couple years ago and renamed it to Mac OS. So I'm, I'm playing on the X and that the way that they moved the X. That was less than six months ago. Seriously? Feel, I'm pretty sure. It feels I was like definitely in high ago, school when they did sure that. I'm pretty sure it was six. No. Really? Because I, I thought that, yeah, that was like... Oh, maybe you're right. Mac OS. When did they rebrand to Mac OS? It might have been... The summer after your graduation from high school, because yeah, I, was, I remember learning about that while I was cutting the lawn on a podcast, Sierra, which would be in so the summer, 2016. So like yeah. a year ago, year and a half, year, year and a half. Yeah, would have been just after your graduation. Okay, but then. the but the, but the beta was All when right. I was in high school. Mm. No, because they announced. That they were changing it to Mac OS at WWDC, and that's when they announced they had that the thing that wasn't the beta, the developer preview. Before that, no, like they showed off it. They they the first mention of a new operating system is at WWDC. Then it was El Capitan when I was in high school. That's weird to think about. That's preposterous. <laughs> yeah. So, so the iPhone, iPhone X, 10. iPhone 10. Yes, because it's not X; it's 10. God damn. That's how you pronounce uh, that letter, right? Yeah, it's Roman numeral Y Z. <laughs> yeah, it's ten code. You use that to develop <laughs> apps. Um, so the new iPhone has a Super Retina display, Ooh. which is uh, twenty four thirty six by eleven twenty five. But how do you fit that on the body that it has, Stephen? I feel like that you'd end up with a lot of bezel in a phone that looked more like a tablet. Well, Zach, you know what they did is they took off everything except for screen. Wow. There are no buttons on the Not even face software of buttons? The phone. How do I open my app, Stephen? I mean, the software buttons change, though. They're not like yeah. Android software buttons where there are just icons Fair always enough. there. Uh, but <laughs> what you'll notice about this is that there's no room for a fingerprint sensor if there's no home yeah. button. And that means that Apple had to go, oh, wait a minute. We're going to have to look at their face. We're going to have to scan their face. We can't put the, ho- the, we can't be putting the touch ID somewhere else, like on the back of the phone. No. And if your thumbprint doesn't your violate face. your Fifth Amendment, your face certainly doesn't. Yeah. But they call it Face ID, which is actually really, really cool. It beca- is. Because it has a... 3D camera, so and they call it True Depth. It uses two cameras, 
Um, and then you can also unlock your phone in the dark That's because good. it has an infrared camera as well. Really unfortunate if it like needed to shine a light on your face yeah. to recognize it. Would be. Uh, it uses that same A11 Bionic chip, which, as we said before, is a neural net, so that it will learn your face as you use it more. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said that beards, hats, and haircuts won't affect it, well, and that it will work with Apple Pay. Beards, hats, and haircuts, like especially a beard growing, is going to be a thing that it sees happen. Yeah. I mean, if you shave off your beard, it might be a yeah. little bit confused for a second. But, uh, yeah, it uses those cameras to see all of your face, uh, how deep your face is, and then you move your eyes to unlock it so that it knows Mm -hmm. it's not a picture and a video. And it does that all very effectively and very quickly quickly with that new Bionics chip. Yeah. They showed as you approach your phone, it starts looking at your face. So by the time you actually get to pick up your phone, it's already unlocked. You don't have to, like, sit there with your phone in front of your yeah. face for a second. Um, anyway, I think it looks... A lot of people don't like the look of it. I thought it looked very pretty. Yeah. I'll put pictures in the show notes, but um, it's quite an attractive <laughs> piece of glass. And how much is it for such an attractive piece of glass? I'm glad you asked, Zach, because on November 3rd, it will be released at $1,000. And I'm assuming that's for the small one. Are they even making a big one? Yep. Okay, there's an iPhone oh, no, no, 10 no. Plus and an They're iPhone making 10. Um, different megabyte sizes. Oh, okay. Yeah, that'll be for the smallest one, which you'll be happy to know the smallest size now is 64 gigabytes. Good. Because 16 is not I'm pretty sure you can just anything. run like the default Samsung software on 16 gigabytes now. Yeah. It only takes up like 15. No, you can... I mean... I have a 16 gigabyte iPhone, which was a mm-hmm. mistake, and it holds all my apps, and it holds any pictures I need quick access to, because I sort of store the rest in Google Photos. But really, 16 gigs is yeah. not enough. Um, it actually failed in the demo. It did. The Face ID. Yeah, that's what I heard at least. That's okay, what it once said in the he, like held it up and blog. it was like didn't recognize you and then he locked it and he was like well that's embarrassing and then he unlocked it and it was fine yeah i mean i'd rather it not let me in than let someone yeah. else in they put up the numbers it's um one in a million chance that someone who isn't you gets in with a little asterisk next to it that says unless you're genetically similar so twins might have a twins will time. have a very tough time and even like family members it might get confused like brothers yeah that makes sense yeah all right well we'll see oh and it also has an oled display which is and it comes from samsung actually like a surprising amount of apple parts coming come from samsung before they started (laughs) making the a chips didn't those come from samsung too? i'm sure yeah you are two release cycles behind now you're due for an upgrade steven yeah probably not Mm -hmm. iphone (laughs) 8 probably not i am content with my six plus yeah wait how many generations now that's seven plus so now this is the seven plus essentially and there was a seven and then i'm actually three generations behind Mm. and i'm completely okay with that um if someone gave me an iphone 7 or an iphone 8 or an iphone x i'd be like sure i'll take that but i am not going to go out and buy one because i can't justify it there's nothing wrong with my phone and there's nothing that any of these phones do that i really really want except for the iphone x because it looks really pretty it'd be nice but apple's doing a good yeah apple's doing a pretty good job of emulating that with long presses not Mm. nearly good enough but pretty good You mentioned that you might buy an iPhone. I might. Change, you might change ecosystems. I mean, to also, get those preferably a battery that doesn't die at 10 a.m., but AirPods are a good plus. Yeah. So you might buy an iPhone, and you're a college student. You are a Caucasian male with glasses, and the glasses have big frames. They do, indeed. And you're kind of uh, painting a stereotype. I don't have a beard and yet. You don't have a beard yet, but we'll see. <laughs> 
a part of that stereotype that you're painting is that you drink caffeinated beverages. I feel like that's more the college student stereotype. Do you know any college students who don't drink caffeine? Yes. Really? How do they yes. do it? Tell, tell, us, tell us your secrets. I'll make them listen to the Great. podcast and write in. My point is, Zach, that... And I could sit in Starbucks and sip my latte and work on my novel on my MacBook. But Zach, you can't sip your latte. It's too hot. That That is a conundrum. Uh, and I, you know, like as much as I could just ask the people at Starbucks to make my coffee colder, um, I also know that I get a discount for bringing in my own mug. So wouldn't it be great if I could solve two problems in one fell swoop? It would be. And that's why the Jovio Temperfect Mug people have invented a spectacular product. Yeah. So there's a little bit of backstory behind this one. 1.5 years later, here's the review. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to first explain what the heck this is, and then we're going to tell the story behind it. So the Temperfect Mug is a mug that... Within two minutes of pouring the hot liquid into it, will cool it down to a reasonable drinking temperature. And then it will keep it at that temperature for, I think it said, up to three hours. Yeah, I Which think is so. really cool. Yeah. It... Uh, so when Zach graduated a year and a half ago, graduated from high school, as a graduation present, I, I funded it on Indiegogo. And I was promised, for the $80 that I spent on the two mugs, I was promised an orange mug and a blue mug. And they said that it would be coming in September of mm-hmm. that year. Just in time for college. Just in time for college to start. And I was like, great. So I, t- I gave Zach, for as graduation party, uh, a box or a, an envelope or something with the receipt mm-hmm. of, for the 10-perfect mug. And yeah, explaining and I, what I was, it was excited. It sounded like a really good thing. Yeah. And then there were some delays. Oh, uh, it's going to come in November now because of some shipping delays or manufacturing or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, it'll be here in June. Well, crap. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm, for the summer, I'm not a right? backer at this Wrong. point, so I can't actually see any of these updates. They're backer private. So every <laughs> once in a while, I just need to email Steven or text Steven and say, hey, what's the situation on that mug right now? And even in the backer emails, they were not very clear about the estimated time. They were, they were always like, well, we're going to have it out as soon as possible. Um, so a year and a half later, at the start of the school year, pretty much right after we finished recording this, the podcast two weeks ago, I received a package. A package mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting. And I... And, and I received a Snapchat was, video. <laughs> I, I sent Zach a Snapchat of me opening the box very excitedly, but I only had one hand because I was filming with one hand and using scissors with the other <laughs> one. So I'm sure that was quite yeah. hilarious. Um, so yeah, I mailed Zach his mug. I started using mine, and I really like it. I don't know about you, yeah, Zach. It's but effective. It's I've only really effective. actually used it once so far just because of the delay in receiving it and then only needing it once. Um, I like it. I really like that it can do all the good temperature stuff as advertised, Uh, but I do have one gripe. The metal swingy thing that's supposed to keep your drink from staying in the mug. Yeah. From coming out of the mug. (laughs) Close enough. Yeah. It doesn't do that very well. Not super well. It does it well enough for me like i'm not swinging my mug around very often it's just that if i tilt it while i'm walking it's not gonna spill I have hot coffee on me backpack oh yeah don't and put it, it, in it your goes backpack. on the side in the little like drink carriage thing on the side of my backpack but that still moves with me so is the expectation that i'm just always walking around somewhere looking like i ought to have a beard carrying this bright orange stainless steel mug oh <laughs> i i don't find any problems with carrying it around because i i mean i use it to go to my first class because my main use for it is i grind my own coffee beans in my I, dorm i can't i can't because... make that kind of comment i spend too much money on tea so <laughs> so i grind the coffee beans i put them in a filter and use the single serve mm-hmm. coffee maker it's just yeah. a funnel 
and I make I make the coffee directly into the mug, and it's too hot. What usually it's too hot on my walk to my first class, and then during my first class I can't be drinking it because not extensively at least because I'm taking notes or mm-hmm. trying to pay attention or whatever, and then by the end of the lecture it's too it's not too cold but it's not at the perfect yeah. drinking temperature but this solves both of those problems because now i can drink it on my commute and i can drink it during and after class with no change essentially mm-hmm. no change in temperature and so yeah, yeah i think it I, works really i do really like well. that you can start drinking the stuff immediately i never have it around long enough that it gets too cold but I definitely appreciate that it sucks the heat out, but not too much. Yeah. And uh, quick about the mechanics of it. This is basically how it works. There's a layer of stainless steel on the inside, and then there's a layer of the patented Temperfect insulation, which is basically a wax. And that wax, when it gets hot, because it's conducting through the stainless steel, it melts, and when it melts, it sucks the heat away because it's absorbing that mm. heat when it starts to and the next layer is a vacuum so no heat's going to go through there and then don't vacuum suck a lot of power though what nothing no it's vacuum a vacuum chamber cleaner vacuum I say a vacuum chamber <laughs> and then another layer of stainless steel so you can actually grab onto it because you can't just and, grab onto a vacuum yeah then it wouldn't be a vacuum uh so when the wax, the temperfect insulation, starts to cool off, that heat has to go somewhere, that energy, and it can't go through the vacuum, so it goes back into your drink. Mm-hmm. And so they've crafted this, this insulation to put the heat back at exactly the rate that the coffee should be cooling mm-hmm. off if you have the top on. Yeah. And so yeah, it's really, really cool. Do you mind how heavy it is? No, because like yeah, I said, usually I don't, mind I don't it that carry much either. mugs. I actually kind of like it because I, my hand. I, in my first class of the day is my Latin class and my Latin book is an e-book. And so I have to have my laptop out and before I would have a mug with a top on it, but it is light. And if I, if it caught a stray elbow from a neighbor or if I knocked it into my laptop, that would be bad. But the heaviness mm-hmm. gives it a sense of security. It also has like a rubber pad on the bottom so that it slides less. Yeah. Yeah. I It throws me off because a lot of times when I'm drinking something, I estimate how much is yeah, left hard to do that. by weight. So I think I just need to recalibrate my <laughs> fullness sensor. I think that's a good idea. I haven't used it for any non-homemade coffee. I haven't tried going to Starbucks or uh-huh. any local coffee shop and say, fill this up. I'm not sure what they'd say. I have not either. Yeah. I just made tea in it. Or I made tea somewhere else because you can't steep tea yeah. at 61 degrees Celsius. And then I poured it in. But So when I made my tea, I used the, the, the infamous oh, almond milk. It's back. It is back. Uh, and it's... It there's a, there's a whole story to it. It showed back up in Whole Foods. I'm very confused, but that's not what this is about. This is about how to keep people from getting confused with their almond milk because it is confusing. Calling it milk and not having all the calcium, all of the lactose in it, that's just that's like lying to the consumer practically, right? That's what the Dairy Pride Act is here to prevent yes, from happening. Yes. That is what the Dairy Pride Act is for. Uh quick because we have gained a few new listeners. I know for a fact uh, back Ooh. in episode, like, two of Worrying Bugs, we discussed <laughs> the Dairy Pride Act, which is an acronym, or a backronym. Oh, do you remember what it stands for? I do not. The Defense Against, uh, Imitations, okay. The Defense Against Imitations and Replacements of Yogurt, Milk, and Cheese to Promote Regular Intake of Dairy Every Day. D-A-I-R-Y-P-R-I-D-E. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a backronym. And 
so yeah, that's what Zach is referencing when he says that calling almond milk milk is confusing. Because that's what the Dairy Pride Act is about, and we need that for our citizens. <laughs> but I've got a proposition, how to, how to keep people from getting confused that doesn't involve uh, stopping people. Like, you can still call it almond milk. That's what the consumers know it as, so they might as well keep buying this thing that they know the name of the product. Right. Right? We right. just change the color of it. To something that is clearly a not milk color. What color are you thinking? Um, well, there's a precedent for pink, so that's what I'm thinking right now. What is that precedent? Stephen, would you like to hear a story of federal policy, vegetable fat, and household? Uh, what's the word for like spy acts? Subterfuge uh, is not the right one, but it's close. I don't know. Spy activities. <laughs> okay. Um, a story of federal policy, vegetable fats, and household illegal smuggling. Let me tell you the tale of the butter wars of the 1800s. <laughs> sure, Zach. Let's hear it. Margarine was invented in 1869 by a French dude to combat the high prices of dairy. Uh, much unlike the metric system, also invented in France, America okay. took to this like a fish to water, or perhaps like a country to oil. This was not okay <laughs> with the butter conglomerates of America. A smear campaign was mounted to degrade the social standing and overall public perception of margarine. Um, scientists were producing some very dubious reports about oh. uh, how margarine would give you cancer and... Uh, decrease your mental abilities, all kinds of different things about the negative effects of margarine. That's um, all true. All of it? All of it. You checked with the scientists? They're close personal <laughs> friends. Um, and, and due to this, the Federal Margarine Act was passed, uh, which applied a tax on margarine and demanded licensing fees for anyone attempting to sell margarine in America. But margarine is still allowed. It's just heavily taxed. Makes sense. But... That was at the federal level. At a state level, uh, quite a few states just outright banned margarine, including Wisconsin. Wow. Inevitably. That's harsh. Um, there was a Wisconsin senator who was quoted saying, I want butter that has the natural aroma of life and health. I decline to accept as a substitute call fat matured under the chill of death blended with vegetable oils and flavored by chemical tricks. I mean... I would not call I want butter a super my policymakers either. today to be that passionate about everything they do. <laughs> I want you to call every other opposing concept uh, flavored by chemical tricks and blended or not and and matured under the chill of death. So there's obviously not all this all that great of a perception of margarine. Yeah, I guess um, some states decided that they didn't want to outright outlaw margarine. You got to keep the commerce flowing. But they decreed that all margarine should be colored pink. Okay. And so people don't get confused. I see. So instead of banning almond milk, we should just yeah. make it pink. You can still sell white me, almond drink, but almond milk uh, has to be pink. Yeah. Um, there's more, though. Oh. In a lot of states, you couldn't dye it yellow. You, it just came as this, like, very whitish gray paste. Um, okay. But you could sell whitish gray margarine with a bead of yellow dye that you popped and then kneaded into this gray margarine to make it look more like butter once you had brought it home. <laughs> so as long as the consumer yeah. is doing the you blending, can You can fine. have yellow margarine in your house. You just can't sell it. I see. Um, That's kind of like unpasteurized milk, though. You can have unpasteurized milk. You can drink it. There's no law against that. Yeah, but they don't sell, sell milk people. with little capsules of unpasteurized. Good point. <laughs> um, eventually, though, public sentiment did turn around. As you can tell, we have margarine and other butter substitutes nowadays. Um, and that occurred in the mid-1900s um, because, like, the Great Depression happened and we can't all afford dairy. Uh, also, they stopped using animal fat and figured out how to use hydrogenated vegetable oil. Ooh. But some states still did not appreciate margarine. For example, Wisconsin. Gordon Roselip yeah. was a senator from Wisconsin, and he took part in a, um, a taste test. 
A bunch of different senators, most of them from Wisconsin, got together to see if you could tell the difference between butter and margarine. And every, nearly every, Wisconsin senator could identify, oh, that one's definitely butter because it tastes better. Not Gordon Roselip, though. Gordon Roselip was an adamant uh, opposer of margarine. He was a big fan of butter. In the pocket of big butter, perhaps. (laughs) But he did this blind taste test. And even after they revealed which was which, refused to believe that the substance he identified as butter was actually margarine, and margarine was butter. So what happened? So what happened? Is that Gordon Roselip's wife, concerned about his heart health, had for years been illegally smuggling margarine across the Wisconsin border and placing it on their dinner table for him to eat. No. Seriously. Come on. Come on! That is so <laughs> ridiculous. So that's most of the story right. of the Butter Wars. That's why it has to be um, pink, the, because otherwise we'd have our significant others uh, smuggling it and trying yeah. to tell us that this almond milk is actually cow milk. <laughs> I see your point now, Zach. We should definitely do this. I was sarcastic before, yeah, but now it's I'm important. We it's important to. that our significant others don't lie to us with butter or milk. Or or milk. It's, you're right. I. How would that look in coffee? You get like a pinkish hue, I pink? think. But coffee's brown, so it wouldn't look off. It'd just look more like a red right. brown. I guess um, tea would be. Yeah. A better... There, right, there yeah. is still like a Wisconsin law or a Wisconsin statute that prohibits the use of margarine instead of butter anywhere where you're serving customers unless it's specifically requested. Interesting. So, like, a McDonald's, or not a, a Culver's Butter Burger in Wisconsin is always going to be butter. Well, I'm glad to know. I feel much more secure now that even if my significant other is lying to me about my margarine, about my butter, and my milk, <laughs> that at least Culver's isn't. Or if they are, you have some legal retribution. Yes, that's my favorite kind of retribution. <laughs> okay, so the next... Listeners, just one second, because the next thing on the agenda is titled follow-up, and it doesn't say about what. It's in the side projects category, but it just says follow-up. So last podcast, you, I asked you how your sleep was going, and you said, oh, it's going great, but you can follow up on that in two weeks. It's been two weeks. How's your sleep going? My sleep is great. Actually, like... Now that I'm even better than last week. Really? Yeah, because now not only do I... Well, okay, so the main issue last week was that I was like, hey, I have really cool friends, and they're staying up for long periods of time, and I'm going to bed at 3.30 and getting up for the morning classes at around 8, Mm -hmm. which is a less than adequate amount of sleep. It's good for some people, but not for me. I need about 8. Seven and a half, you know? But now I think that the people that I've been associating with have also figured out that they need more than (laughs) just five hours of sleep. So I am even more able to just go to sleep at around midnight and wake up around eight. My problem last year was that everyone, or not everyone, but a lot of people on my floor were prone to midday Uh, naps, and I was not. Yeah, I never fell into the nap habit Mm -hmm. either. So... Sleep is going well. I'm glad. I'm shocked, yeah, um, but glad. My roommate and I rearranged our room, like I said earlier, and to save space, we uh, bunked our beds. Except we didn't mm-hmm. bunk it the normal way. No, we did it the quote-unquote trundle style, in which you Ooh. put one end of the lower bed perpendicular to the upper bed, so. Um, how, and and that then feels you support unsafe. the other side of the upper bed with a similarly height, a similar in height bookshelf or desk. So, so is the top bed in any way resting on top of the bottom bed? Yes. Or is it just on bookshelves? Nope, it is on top of my bed. I By sleep on the my mental geometry, you've got three points of contact on that top bed. No, you have four, because the bunks here are... Actually, you have five, now that I'm counting, because the bunks are shaped weird. 
they have a i'm going to try to describe this over uh skype basically there's a corner on one end of the bed so there's the length of the bed sideways the the short end of the bed uh-huh. and that has bed posts right and then on that corner perpendicular to the headboard there is a another half of there's another uh there's another width of the bed on the long side and then okay. on the other end of the bed there is so just on one the side there's an extra post in the middle of the bed yes so my roommate's bed sits one one leg on my one end on a headboard uh bedpost and one end one of his legs on my uh, middle the center middle. one yeah and then the other two legs are on the bookshelf mm-hmm. and these are all secured with pegs so there's no like wibble wobble like steven's yeah. gonna die because his roommate <laughs> shifted during the night and the fifth point of contact is my roommate's center post on my other he- headboard okay, yeah. pe- peg so and this is something i want to bring up because i was having some conflicting uh instinct versus uh logical side of my brain the logical side of my brain is says put your feet under my roommate's bed because only half of my bed is covered by his bed right so should i put Mm -hmm. my head under his bed or put my feet under his bed the logical side says put the feet under his bed because well because we have deep conversations at night and i want to look him in the eye for one reason the other reason is that mm-hmm. there's no chance of me hitting my head or anything like that if there if my head is not under something and you can just slide in the instinctive side says, curl up in a little cave yeah get in the cave get in the corner in the cave put your head under in in the cave of yeah. my bed so i ended up yeah, going with it, that one because I it just felt weird picturing the way it is and having my head on outside the cave while my feet are in it and that's just wrong yeah uh so yeah that's what we're going with for now we rearranged it because i i don't know the room just didn't flow right i guess yeah it didn't feel we had our beds like next to each other and they just just wasn't working and i'm really happy with this now so i saw a movie last night zach oh and it's called house it was released in 1977 did they they didn't have color film then they right? did yeah it was all in color it was a japanese film it's a japanese horror comedy cool off the bat you should watch this film okay should i should i pause the podcast right now and go watch it or yes and then take about three hours to process it and then come back and listen to the rest of the podcast sounds great was it campy i don't know what that means like um scary movie is never seen that but you'd like know the idea of scary movie right Oh, uh, some might say rubber is a little campy. Okay. Not really. That's a, Austin Powers is campy. In what way, Zach? (laughs) Okay. Whatever. Maybe is the answer to that. (laughs) I'll I'll Google it. Give me a moment. Another word for camp. Thanks. Like when a, when a movie is kind of campy intentionally exaggerated thematic or genre elements it is definitely yes it is definitely that adam west batman is also campy yes that okay. is a good description okay so it except, is campy except that it takes itself seriously which i know doesn't really make sense with the definition of campy no things it, can be campy and no think they're I mean, not it is trying to be campy while still taking itself seriously what it's really hard to explain that's why you should watch it and there is a lot a lot a lot of nudity in this and the characters are 16 and the actors might not be but they look the part uh anyway so if you're uncomfortable with that don't watch it um there is some blood and guts except it's really by modern standards poor effects blood and guts so it's not anything that would make you queeze um it's like spaghetti yeah spaghetti and red food dye also uh 
animation CGI except before computers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, a piano eats someone at some point if you're uncomfortable with that. Me? Uh, but basically, really, really, really good in the strangest way. You should definitely watch this movie because it is... You're going to be very confused for most of it, and you're probably still going to be confused at the end, and it's all, all right. going to be worth it. I can't speak to its quality or lack thereof. You're going to so... think that it's low quality, but that's just what they want you to think, Zach. Oh my god, Steven. <laughs> Usually he's right about <laughs> okay. these things, but I guess we'll find out. So, by popular demand, it was a close call. It was <laughs> down... We had to, we couldn't even, we couldn't even go by percentage. We had to go and count the votes. I mean, 66% to 33% nope. is pretty definitive. It came down to the wire, Zach. <laughs> what will we be reading next time on the book club? We will be reading Baron in the Trees. And I'm going to look up the author's name. Give me one moment. Ooh, I love it when I look up the author's name and it doesn't help. We will be reading... Baron in the Trees by Italo Calvino. It's uh, less polarizing from what I saw looking at the Goodreads ratings than um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And the Kindle edition comes out on October 3rd. So by next episode, you'll be able to read it. Um, I don't know how far we're reading. Probably the first hundred pages. Oh, uh, yeah. It, we'll try to put that in the show notes Let's see as soon as we can. The... So yep. this will be our last book club for Reem D. So now we're going to go into our book club on Reem D. But if you aren't caught up with us on Reem D, you can be sure to go subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, we're on all of the, the good ones. iTunes, Google Play Music, not Spotify. That's a complicated process. And we haven't, you know, worked, got around to that yet. But most of them Don't we're listen there. to podcasts on Spotify. Yeah. Because uh, I have an actual issue with that, actually. Oh. Because there is a review process for Spotify, mm -hmm. and that is not how podcasting works. The whole point of podcasting is that you can just do it. You don't need some governing body. You just put it on the internet yeah. and people listen. You do not... Yeah, so I haven't decided yet, but we may never be on Spotify for that very yeah. reason. Okay, so not Spotify because we have some ethical quandaries with that. And not just lazy. Definitely. Um, you can also reach out to us about anything we said. If you agree with me about turning uh, the margarine pink and you are turning, sorry, turning the almond milk pink and you want to uh, mount an email campaign to t Senator Tammy Baldwin to ask her to implement that in the Dairy Pride Act, uh, definitely reach out because I would be so down to do that. <laughs> uh, I'm on Twitter at... The puns guy. And I'm at not Stephen Barry. And we'll see you in two weeks. But before then, Reemdy. All right. Uh, so we basically just jump into Richard, right? Yep. Richard yep. sleep. Uh, my first note is about how Richard was basically continuously assessing his worth to the terrorists and I yeah. thought that could be a metaphor for an employee of a big company figuring out how much value they add to their company and whether or not that's enough to mm -hmm. not get fired. See who's on the chopping block, less metaphorically. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, that's been a trend throughout the book is looking for big company metaphors in these incredible mm -hmm. situations. I like, so then, then Richard goes to... Uh, in the woods yep. and his the solution to his problem literally fell from the sky <laughs> which i thought was yeah. great i think it would have been i did do you think it was the right choice to follow richard as opposed to zula um yes because it gives you more of a it gives the reader more of a ooh. i wonder how he's gonna get out of this one rather than zula who actually has a plan in this day i think it it switched a lot more from Every other day, mostly, he was providing a lot of information up front, and you were just kind of going along with the information. And this 21st day, you are in it in their heads with yeah, them a lot more. I agree. The helicopter was shot down 
that who was writing it that again? That was uh, the military man whose name I cannot Seamus and yeah. Marlin. Not Marlin. Yeah. Seamus and Yuxia. Yeah. So they were in the helicopter. They got shot down. Um, and basically a bullet went through the engine block, which screwed some stuff up. Mm-hmm. But the rotors themselves were intact and probably the transmission. Fun fact, tra- helicopters have transmissions. Huh. I mean, as much as a bicycle does. But yeah. What the result of that is that you can put a helicopter into neutral where the rotors will just spin, which is exactly what he did, what the pilot did. Uh-huh. And because why helicopters helicopters are really bad at falling actually because when you put the rotors into neutral and just start falling, the rotors will spin because of the air moving over them. And that will actually mm-hmm. create lift. Not enough to propel you upwards, but enough to slow your de- huh. descent by and a that lot. that also would spin the helicopter, correct? If, if yes, no? it would. Because because if. your tail rotor wouldn't be functional. Yeah. But yeah, it'd be sufficient enough for them to survive that fall. Which I enjoyed that Neil Stevenson knew about and included yeah, he had like Reindeer. at the very end he had like two pages of acknowledgments of just hey this is the person i talked to to find out how british columbia works <laughs> and here's my gun person and here's my helicopter guy and here's yeah. my boat term dude i think it's great that authors will do that um kind of stuff. did you catch the moment when richard was right about to die uh which one when he <laughs> fair enough <laughs> when he was laying in the snow and the helicopter was going to crash no he was yeah. laying in the snow and thinking wow this feels nice because that's what happens oh, when you gosh. get hypothermia is your rational thought stops or slows yeah. down quite a bit. And, you know, the snow is comfortable and let's just lie down here for a little bit. And that works for me. And then, yeah. And then you're dead. And the helicopter getting shot down actually saved yeah. him then. Good catch there. Because he, he, was, he was in survival mode right up until then. And then some switch flipped when he fell down. Yeah. And there was a moment there where we switched to air chutes point of view right before he got uh blown up Mm. and a couple episodes ago we talked about how that's gotta just like there's a reason that he didn't switch over to the terrorist point of view before then and it's because he doesn't really know how to write it necessarily it it was it just it's a big jump from like dude who grew up in the midwest to terrorist and i yeah he didn't get you in the headspace as well as he got you in richard's head and then everything kicked off, and or it had kicked off, but it kicked off more, and everyone was running, and Zula was going up, and everything was crazy, and I kind of forgot to breathe for a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and then Jack shouted at Seamus, which kind of disproves the ex-military theory. Even still, it's hard to say, because people just do things while their adrenaline is pumping and yeah. stuff, even ex-soldiers. Yeah, and then... Uh, Zulu was going along and talking about how all her girl scouting instincts were kicking in and Richard's boy scouting instincts were kicking in. So if your kid ever asks you why they need to be in scouting, just throw this book at their face and just kind of look at them and say, see, (laughs) it's important. Yeah. Uh, Something I noticed during that last battle uh, that pretty much every, every perspective he switched to said they were doing something instinctively. Like, Richard instinctively dropped to a knee mm-hmm. or something like that. And I just thought that was interesting that we, I mean, it made complete sense to do that, but they said they did it instinctively. They didn't think, oh, I should drop to one knee yeah. or I should throw this grenade out a door and because it's the closest thing I can throw it out of. It, just that we're, they're being thrown into a situation that they've never experienced and hopefully will never mm-hmm. experience again. Yeah, and even because still, a lot of them pretty much grew up around do. guns and around the wilderness. And and then I was like, page 970, and I just took the note. I don't know if I want to read 70 more pages of them meeting in the middle, because it was just like round robining from one character to the next for like 10 pages or something. Just saying, yeah. and then they moved forward a little bit, and they're all just slowly converging on the cabin, and nothing was happening for a couple pages. And, and then I just wrote, ah, that's the next note. <laughs> I have no oh uh when Richard was trying to shoot at Jahandar and he got up and then he missed and then his foot went bad and I just wrote ah I cringed a little bit when Zula got yeah. her tooth knocked out um 
And then my next note is uh, Jake's last, no, um, John's last moment. Mm. He was the amputee. Yeah. Did Jones hit him or did Jones kick him? I don't know. Do you remember the circumstances of it? Not really. Okay, so he's the amputee, so he had taken off Uh his legs to slide down the hill, and his final moment was looking up at Jones as he was bringing his leg down onto him. Whose leg onto John's leg onto John. Yeah. Did Jones hit him or did Jones kick him? (laughs) So you're wondering semantically. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean... Well, let me think. Let me. I was talking about this before because I'm okay. gonna equivocate. Uh, it was page uh, ten fourteen. If you want to get the actual. Um, no, I'm gonna. I'm gonna th- think. Uh, okay, so like a hatchet is used to split wood, but if I hit you with a hatchet, yeah, I'd be hitting you. I wouldn't be sp- splitting you. You might be. Well, I wouldn't call it that though. I would call it hitting you with a hatchet, but I'd call it splitting the wood with the hatchet. Okay. So I think because Jones is using it as a club, essentially, All right. he would be hitting. What if with Jones was using it like a croquet mallet? <laughs> I think it'd be more like a golf club, in which it would still be a hit or a stroke. <laughs> Did he stroke him? I hope not. Okay, so you're you're definitively on. I'm hit. on hit. Yeah. I'm pretty sure if he was using it like a croquet mallet, it would have been a kick. But if he was bringing it down, it was a hit. The angle of attack matters in this. Uh, no, I think because kicking is, yeah, it's using your legs to hit to hit someone, right? So if Jones put on the prosthetic leg and then used used it as a weapon, then it would be a kick. But because he's holding, I'm it pretty in sure hands, it's still a it's kick. A hit. If it's a kick motion, listeners. If you agree with either Zach or me, or if you disagree with both of us, write in, tell us, we'll, we'll Just tweet us, this tweet us the words like hit adults. or kick, like at yeah. both of us, so, hashtag it, um, terrorism amputee. I don't think that's a good hashtag. <laughs> well, two separate hashtags. Still not good. <laughs> Probably not. Okay. Basically, we're going to settle this like adults with Twitter fights. Yeah. At what point did you realize Richard was going to be the one to kill Jones. Uh, not until very, very late. Like when he was holding the gun and next to Jones or? Yes, okay. that is when. I got it. There was the moment that they said like Jones walked off into the forest and then one more sentence and then Richard had been walking for a while. That was that was the moment of it. All right. And like what a Wikipedia page. <laughs> I did not even think about that. He gets credit. He's credited for the defeat the, of international um, terrorists. Se- yeah, Abdullah Jones, and uh, he. I mean, he also and terrain. Gosh, and and yeah, terrain. Uh, international drug smuggling. Um, and s- straight up, like, has a lot of money. <laughs> is a billionaire. Gets on that list. Yeah. Um. Also, I very infrequently drink caffeine, but today I was just kind of like slogging. So around noon, I got a mocha. And then I decided to sit down and read this. And the caffeine did not help me stay calm during those last, like, ten pages of battle. <laughs> got any notes about the after battle? Like, uh, the Skype yeah, call? Yeah, it's about half my notes, actually. I just oh, okay. don't like wow. it. Yeah, I didn't really like, like it either. The, the couple stuff. Write about just it. why... Yeah, also, just let us assume. Also, like, Zula and Songor never experienced anything that would be, like, them getting along. It was just similar shitty circumstances that they got through together i don't of. think that's a great indicator of long-term compatibility yes, also the the olivia and uh sokolov thing and like i'm pretty sure one, it's some, at some point they expli- it, it, it was yeah. fun but at some point they explicitly said like yeah it was pro- probably just about the sex <laughs> so overall steven how many stars reemd gets four and a half for yep. me that's what I'd say, I too. I really, really liked it pretty much all the way through, but there were, like, what, like, uh, there were some parts that I just didn't care about, and that uh-huh. there were also, I mean, this is on me and not on the book, but there were a lot of names to memorize, and a lot of different yeah. stories, and it was a bit confusing at times, but, mm-hmm. yeah, so that might just be on me as a not a great reader, yeah. but 
Yeah. Like most of the time it was fantastic. And he does that dramatic irony stuff of round robining characters very, very well. But there are little bits that the pacing just felt like it was dragging on once in a while or things like that. That's that half star. So yeah. If you, for some reason, listener have not are listening right now and are not reading the book and are thinking maybe i will read this book after having the entire plot spoiled (laughs) i would recommend it definitely uh we'll be back in two weeks uh we'll be talking about the baron in the trees uh the first first chunk hundred pages or so uh the first the nearest chapter to 100 pages yeah is usually what we go with all right and i am still at not stephen barry on twitter i'm at the puns guy and we'll see you in two weeks goodbye goodbye